Hey, this is Derek D Train He Too. Tonight's episode is brought to you by brandedbills.com, one of the leaders in today's hat industry. If you want something unique, you'll find it there. We love the concept of their leather patches cut out of the finest leather with your logo branded right on the leather. Feeling patriotic? Check out their USA logos or shop by state, offering logos from all 50 states for your custom headwear. Lots of options to choose from, so check out their stock inventory or create your own lid. Brandedbills.com is the sponsor for our hats here at Blue Line Hockey Club, and we are excited to have some of the best hats around. Choose between fitted hats, snapbacks, flat bills, curved bills, trucker hats, you name it, with all kinds of color combos to help customize your branded bill. Get online and place your order today at Brandedbills.com. Podcast is brought to you by... Raleigh's number one screen printing company in the area, Josebi Screen Printing. Josebi Screen Printing does all of Raleigh's screen printing, embroidery, special ink, even vinyl heat print. You looking for t-shirts for your sporting event, company, or family function? Check out their work at JosebiScreenprinting.com. That's J-O-S-I-B-E ScreenPrinting.com. You can follow on Instagram, like them on Facebook and Twitter. That's Josebe Screen Printing. J-O-S-I-B-E ScreenPrinting.com. Hello! Welcome back to the Blue Line Hockey Club, folks. we got another exciting episode, episode 87 tonight. We've got the usual suspects sitting in with us. We have our producer, Patrick Ocalardi Sullivan. What's up, Patrick? Aloha. And, and our geek, our local nerd on staff, Robbie Pete Peters. What's wow. up, Pete? Hey, how you moming, man? And our sports guru, Derek D-Train. He too. What's up, D-Train? What's up, sweet and your host of Blue Line Hockey Club tonight, Mark, the Doctor. Oh, Well, boys, we got uh, the usual suspects episode tonight. No interview till after the show. We're going to have the Fox interview playing tonight after the, the interview, so stay tuned for that. Um, so we can get right into some good NHL topics tonight. Adam, who the Fox? Adam, who the Fox? So... If you missed it last time, we're going to be replaying it at uh, the end of this episode, so check that out. He's actually lighting it on fire for the Rangers now. All right, boys, so let's get right into it tonight, and uh, we can just let's talk a little bit about what's going on with Jeremy Roenick. I think we're maybe a little late to the story on this one, but it, it's kind of resurfaced now with the apology. Uh, obviously, being podcasters, this being a podcast snafu or whatever the hell you'd want to call it, got him in some hot water with NBC and uh, he's still on suspension. So, I mean, you guys all know the story, right? Well, we do, Mark. Why don't you tell everybody else or somebody tell everybody else who may not know the whole story. Get her, Pat. Go ahead and tell them the story. Well, he was suspended. He actually was a guest on Spitting Chiclet. Um, you know, Spitting Chiclets is pretty raunchy. No filter. Uh, great podcast, though. I listen to it. It's pretty funny. They had some great guests too, but uh, Jr. was on there and talked about uh, you know some of his colleagues. Actually, one colleague, uh, Catherine Tappen, his wife uh, went on vacation somewhere tropic. The guys on Spent Chicklick were Spent Chicklicks were talking to him about you know being there with two hot blondes, um, what that was like. Long story short, he said something about you know sleeping with both of them would be 
you know, fantastic. I think <laughs> he said, I play it off. Like we're going to bed together every night, you know, the three of them just talking about, you know, taking his wife and Catherine tapping to, you know, having a threesome. I think it was kind of blown out of proportion. And honestly, I can't even believe we're talking about it because it's not even a big deal to me. Hey, so, uh, you know, a little bit more background is that him, his wife and Catherine are friends and they're good yeah. friends, right? So that's the reason that she was on the trip with them is because she's friends with his wife. Um, you know, from what I gathered, he was joking around with the staff at the fucking, at the resort, like, you know, playing it up like he was with both of those women. You know, it's a joke and Spit and Chicklets is a lot about comedy. Uh, it's not your um, NBC Sports. It's a show for entertainment, and people listen to it for for the comedy that the yeah. um, that Whitney and Biz put together on that show. And Jr. was playing into it because he's an entertainer, and that's why he's on NBC Sports, right? So even everybody talks about how Jr. was destined to be it's on a TV, joke. and you know, so that's what he was doing. He was entertaining that crowd, that that fan base that he was talking to, and you know, now he's in hot water, obviously uh, suspended without pay from NBC Sports. I uh, came out on Twitter this week and, and did a video formal apology that I, I saw and he apologized to everybody and he stated that he that he called everybody, called her, called, you know, obviously talked to his wife about it and made his apologies for, for NBC. So I guess it's up in the air to see if they put him back on the air this year. Pretty stupid. Pretty stupid. I mean, you got you to gotta think about the context that he's into. He's in a podcast. He's chatting with the boys. You know what I mean? He's just he's, cool. he's embellishing a situation. He's exaggerating. He's trying to make it comedic. I mean, come on. My president buddy. does it. What's the fuck? It's, well, locker, I mean, it's locker room talk, right? Like grabbing the yeah, pussy. Is that what the show is? Grab him right by the pussy. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, it, and it wasn't even that bad. Like, it was just kind of, I mean, he's with two beautiful women with compliments. And then joking, you know, with some in her own dumb male macho way. That was a compliment. I mean, yeah. So some some older lady came up and asked him, "Are both of those girls with you?" And you know, he kind of said, "Yeah." Um, and then you know, elaborated like Derek was saying on spitting chicklets, you know, being just you know entertaining the podcast and saying, you know, you know, I was pretending I'm going to take both of those girls home, but it would be great if that happened, but it never would. I mean, I've actually, I've actually done the cool threesome, so I can tell you from experience, it'd be a lot cooler if he did. Oh, here we go. One of them was a dude. One of them was a dude. I'm just saying. <laughs> He's just saying. Anyways, guys, that's what podcasts are all about. That's why Blue Line Hockey Club is so successful, is because we're bringing you uncut, unfiltered entertainment weekly. And that's what's the, that's what's great about um, getting out of the mainstream media and being able to say what you feel and have a little fun with it and not being so PC about everything. So you know that's that's what it's about, right? Yeah, you got a choice. You got a choice to listen or not listen. So make the choice how you want it, right? So, I was just about to say, take a big deep breath yeah. and blow it out. Yeah, I mean, and, and what if you listen to every, you know a lot of people that probably listen to our podcast have listened to Spit and Chicklets, and the big thing that they do is they try to make it a funny podcast, and they joke around nonstop. Depending, no matter who the guest is, they're bringing up some kind of story or yeah. some kind of background that that guest has to make their podcast entertaining, and that's why they're so successful. Sure. So, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't see it. Uh, hopefully, NBC apology came out. NBC, he'll be back. 
on um, on their show. He does a great job for them as an analyst. And I hate to see him lose his job over something stupid like this. But, you know, this is the way the PC culture is going. And a lot of people fall, you know, to this bullshit. And hopefully uh, if they don't bring him back, he gets picked up. But ESPN's coming coming huge on the hockey uh, scene. So, you know, that market might be opening up for him to go over to uh, ESPN when they get their hockey contract. So. What a bullshit year, 2019. Jeremy Roenick, Don Cherry. I mean, pathetic yeah. over fucking stupid shit. You know yeah. what? I, this is a complete side note. You know, I have a, an eight-year-old. He's nine this month, right? And I'm not saying he should be some whoremongering, you know, filthy child. Like his dad. I am <laughs> like his dad. I, I am curious. <laughs> you know, <laughs> How how do we protect our kids from this new culture? I, and again, I'm not saying you know he should, my kid's Look smart, he's gonna be a nerd, and you know he's a real smart kid. But I want to know how they're gonna end up dating in in ten years. You know, it's gonna be this canon. You know, uh, yeah, he'll be dating on Tinder. I don't. I hope he is. <laughs> I don't. It's, it's a strange, bizarre world, and I I mean. Yeah, it's gonna be legalized by then. Gotta get, yeah. gotta get, gotta get this lib mindset out of the world, man. We'll be all right. Oh, here we go. All right, boys. So now, um, just to change gears a little bit, uh, we obviously had some some pretty exciting game, an exciting game on Monday night with LSU and Clemson, and I'm pretty sure most of you guys probably caught that game. Uh, we're just going to touch a base a little bit on that. Decide no, uh, get get a little football talk in here. That was a pretty awesome game. Two uh, stellar quarterbacks. Who knows where they're going to end up in the draft this year? But great performances by both. And you know, I, I like to see LSU get the win. Um, I thought that was a great win. Great performance by them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the, you got the head coach down there at LSU. <laughs> <laughs> I played with a kid from Louisiana. Go Tiger! Go Tiger! Go Tiger! <laughs> you cannot understand. Fucking love that guy, man. I love that guy. Every time he gets interviewed, go Tigers! <laughs> Gotta love that I, shit, man. I played football with a guy from Louisiana, and let me tell you, he sounded, you know, it, it took a while for me to get used to what he was saying. Holy fuck, man, he's coming out of no, 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 during the week, he punched himself in the jaw or the head or something like that. Like in front, giving a, giving a speech, you know, and he had like a bruise on his head. So, I mean, those guys fought for him. He, I mean, when you're at LSU, you got all the resources in the world, you know what I mean? So, I mean, be a pretty good coach to, to be successful there, I think. I mean, the recruiting process is everybody and their brother wants to go there. So, Joe Burrow, he's the story of uh, LSU for sure. He set all sorts of records. So that was it was a fun game to watch. Trevor Lawrence for Clemson, the QB. He had a he had a pretty good game, you know. But they're outmatched outmatching this one. So you're talking about probably 21 players, 21, 25 players between two teams that are going to be in the NFL draft and playing in the NFL next year. So I mean, th- these are no slouches for sure. Yeah, yeah I, ca- I called Clemson and uh, you know LSU fucking cleaned them up. Yeah, yeah. Good backstory too is uh, you know, Coach LSU always wanted to coach at LSU, didn't get that opportunity. Um, at the beginning of his career, ended up there, wins a national championship. So, you know, another. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Go Tigers! 
The other cool thing about that is the defensive coordinator um, obviously he lost his daughter-in-law like a week before, oh, two, awesome. two, two weeks before that. So uh, his son was on the sidelines and they, you know, they had a pretty cool embrace after the game. So, you know, pretty cool for that family to get the national championship, give them some positive uh, for that family. So, you know, that was all pretty cool stuff for LSU fans. Yeah. And uh, the uh, offensive coordinator just took a job with the uh, Carolina Panthers as the offensive coordinator. But I think the story of that national championship game was Joe Burrow is just because he broke this um, single season passing record. I think it was um, 60 60 plus touchdown. Yeah. And then the single season points record. So uh, Florida State had that at 423 and now uh, LSU took it this year. It's uh, no, 723, and LSU has it now at 726, and they went 15-0 and 0 on the season. But I was reading in uh, um, Taking a Deuce at work in you know, Sports Illustrated that his father and brother played at Nebraska, always wanted yep. to play there, took his high school team to the state championship, um, but uh, Nebraska said he just wasn't a quarterback, didn't have the strength, played at Jeez. Ohio, sat on the bench there for a while. Yeah, for years. Yeah, and then, so you guys know that story. It's crazy. And then, then he wanted to go back to Nebraska, and the head coach said, "You know, you think he's better than what we got?" Or said that some, to, you know, to some analyst or something. Something to that effect, yeah. And uh, he's the Heisman Trophy winner, national championship, broke season passing record, most points in the season. I what do what do you do as a you know a college team knowing your recruiting staff passed up on him. <laughs> Reevaluate yourself. Shove that corn husk up your ass. If yeah. there's any challenge, you hire him <laughs> right away in some other fucking capacity. Yeah. If that was the NHL, if that was the NHL, uh, that that coaching staff would be probably getting fired. So I mean, yeah. the thing is, you're maybe passed he, up on the Heisman? Oh, we need Maybe he wasn't. I mean, it could have been he, he didn't have the strength back then or the, uh, you know, the vision that they were looking, but I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I think I think what happens like in, in college, in football in general, and I think in, in all professional sports in general, I think like nobody takes enough of a look at like the intangibles of a player, right? They, I, I just think they look at like the cookie cutter, like height, weight, his reach, you know, 40, 40 time, 40 yeah. time like, and they just don't take a look enough at like what the guy brings to the table, how he, how he competes, you know, like I don't think enough of that stuff is put into it because you look at Joe Burrow, man, that guy, he made plays out of no plays. Right. I mean, and you look at like a guy who obviously I'm a huge chiefs fan and you look at Patrick Mahomes. I mean, these kind of guys, like they can make stuff happen out of nothing. And Joe Burrow, like you can't, you can't put a grade on that, right? You can't put a height on that. You can't put a weight on that. Those kind of guys, you have to have like uh, personnel or uh, recruit, you know, guys that are re- recruiting for your squad. They have to be able to look outside the box and see this, uh, you know, see the different intangibles that just other. That's how teams become great, right? That's how certain teams in the NFL become great. Certain teams in the NFL. Brady. Yeah, certain teams in the, in the you know, in whatever sport it is, become great because they get person they get personnel in that maybe other people have looked over, people have you know not looked deeply enough into uh, you know their actual skill set. So Joe Burrow is going to make a lot of money on the next level. He's going to make a lot of people look really stupid because he's going to be the first pick in the draft too, probably. So we, um, we get this a okay. lot actually. We, we get this a lot, and we talk about it. I, I think it happens in every sport, and I think what we're what we're saying is. 
people get overlooked. You know, sometimes you overlook somebody for something silly, and you know that player has the the raw ability to come in and just make you look stupid. It's a Tom Brady effect. Yeah, um, Bill, Bill Belichick is you know prime example. I mean, he finds guys that nobody else has seen, right? So you like, where the hell did Wes Welker come from? Oh, now he's a stud. Like, where, you know, Edelman. Like, where, where are these guys? Where are they coming from? Right? But he's always. He always has some little white guy that's awesome on his uh, receiving core. And where do you pick him up? And, you know, it's just one of those things. He just he just finds talent in people that other people don't see, you know. So you can you imagine if the if the NHL used, like, a combine like the, the NFL does where, you know, they're picking guys based on 40 times, their vertical jumps, their how many bench presses they do at 225 pounds, you know, like all these things they do in their combine. You know, how do you think Jack Hughes would do in that, right? You know, is, is he pumping up weight? No. He barely, the guy's like, looks like he put up maybe 225 once. Like, uh, you know, Pedersen out in Vancouver. Like, look at these guys. Like, they're not, you know, physical specimens that are coming in. And the NHL is, like, looking at them with their boxers on to see if they're strong enough to play hockey, right? They're looking at their skills and they're looking at their past play. And, uh, you know, I think that the NHL does things differently, a lot differently than how they draft these NH- or the NFL drafts. And that, that's a million dollar question. Like, do the typical height, you know, weight, power lifting. That's easy, right? Anyone can do that. I mean, high school kids can do that. But how do you think outside the box of those Joe Burrows, those Tom Brady's, like, is there a, how can we keep track of those players that, you know, don't seem that well, but, you know, just are Patrick Mahomes that are just fucking nasty. Like, they got to start thinking, you know, tracking players like, all right, we had a guy like this. I don't even know. I'm just speculating. You know, it's a million-dollar question, but there should be a way of tracking those kind of players. I, I hear what you're saying. First of all, I want to separate. Football is much different than hockey. That's the first thing I will say is you got to separate the two. Yeah, hockey has skates. The, the combine, <laughs> no, but I mean – if you think about an NFL team, there's a lot of people. So, you know, you have to look at those other things. Those skills are unique for football, you know, whether you understand it or have played it or not. You know, <laughs> high counts. Running fast counts. I guarantee, though, your hockey players aren't going to be the fastest people on the planet running, right? I wasn't a great runner, but I can skate. I'm 6'3". I can't run, but I can skate, right? That's like riding a bike for me. You remember the infamous picture of uh, Tom Brady in his boxer shorts and his combine picture? I mean, if you you looked at that picture, you'd say, yeah, we're not fucking taking that guy. (laughs) Look at him. (laughs) Well, and and that's the point is he didn't even get drafted, right? He was so far down the list. He was like 163 or something like that. Six rounds. Six rounds. Literally, he thought he was ha- going to have to go back into, you know, nothing against the insurance business, but he thought he was going to have to sell insurance before he got picked up and played his first fucking game. Yep. So it's like, you know, who's to say that, you know, looking at a Tom Brady, can't look at Tom Brady and be able to look at the data processing. I mean, you know, to, to oh, go, here nerd. Yeah, here comes the nerd part. You know, <laughs> what we're talking about is the person's intelligence. It's their ability to data process. 
to play the game at a faster level than it's being played. Right? And you cannot assess that based on, you know, the, the general, you know, can this person skate fast? Can they cross over? That's all good. A great skater is great, but can they process the game at a really fast pace? That's what makes players great in football, in hockey, in lacrosse, in baseball, in whatever professional sport, they're able to slow that game down and, and play it at their pace. Yeah, and I think a big part of it is slowing it down as far as, you know, these great players see the game a lot slower than it's being played. Um, you know, a guy like Tom Brady being able to sit in the pocket and read the read the uh, the defense and um, make, the, make the perfect passes, you know, the, to be able to sit there and be calm in a high-stress situation is something that you can't really – judge you know that's just something person by person some people can deal with it some people you know get too flustered and can't can handle it to Derek's point about Mahomes the the reason he is so successful so successful taking that snap looking at his first three reads and determining okay I don't have three reads I gotta make a play now that's all him analyzing things in seconds saying okay Read one is not there. Read two is not there. Okay, now I got to scramble, right? So there's no way. I mean, first of all, all the best players have the ability to slow that game down and to play it uh, in slow speeds, and that's at any sport level. So, you know, these guys that are really good, Connor McDavid. I mean, you know, they're going so fast, but that game has got to be really, really slow to them, personally. Yeah, it's like when you get that good weed and you just answer every question on Jeopardy. Yeah. <laughs> down, you can you catch shit that's gonna fall off the table and shit like that. But we got uh, four football or two football games this weekend, right? Yeah. yeah. Derek, give us a little background on the NFL playoffs here. Yeah, Titans have beat the Chiefs, haven't they? Yeah, oh yeah, Chiefs have always had a lot of problems with the Titans. Actually, they uh, they blew a big, you know, they had a two point lead or two. Two point two touchdown lead this year, uh, going in the fourth quarter, and they blew it and lost to the Titans. Uh, Titans actually blocked a game tying field goal in the last like five seconds or something like that. But um, that's good for the Chiefs, isn't it? I think it is. I think that's yeah. good for the Chiefs. I think I think the Chiefs know what they're. You know, I think I kind of think this is like a Chiefs season where you know they they're really battle tested. You know, they've uh, the teams that they're playing they're playing against right now they've lost to or else really been had a hard time competing against them over the last couple of years. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's really kind of transpiring into something where it's almost looks like it's maybe a season of fate for these guys, hopefully. I mean, as a fan, big time, you know, so in, and then the NFC, you got the uh, Packers and the San Francisco 49ers that are going for the NFC championship too. So you got the chiefs and the uh, Titans on the AFC side, Packers and 49ers on the NFC side. This is, these are, I mean, this is some good football that's left now. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, you're going to be able to watch, you know, the second half because we have a podcast meeting the first half of your Chiefs game. But, um, but yeah, I, I actually think it's going to be the uh, Chiefs and uh, 49ers, but uh, that's huge. I'm excited to watch football this weekend. Usually, I, this is the only time I really get excited about football. Uh, the championship. Your Chiefs, Derek, I, I almost feel – I'm with you on this line of thinking. But I, they had the, the, their, their shots being the number one, and now coming in underneath 
there's no pressure of being number one, having to be the best, having an undefeated record or, you know, one, I think last year they lost once or yeah. something like that. But to me, I would much rather come in as someone as the underdog coming to play and win than being the favored and yeah. everybody just expecting that you're coming to clear house. Yeah, you put, I would much rather be. You put it on cruise control. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the Chiefs are definitely favored in that game, but the Titans, you know, I don't think, you know, Titans are kind of like the team the media is talking about a lot right now. Well, they did go plant-based. I mean, I'm not surprised. That you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Titans plant-based defense, man, I don't know. Oh. Hey, listen, yeah. it'd, be a cool th- it'd be a cool thing if the Chiefs met the uh, 49ers because last year, I don't know if you guys will recall, but D Ford played for the Chiefs last year, defensive end outside linebacker for the Chiefs. They, the Chiefs intercepted the Patriots, and it looked like the Chiefs were going to the Super Bowl. And a play that play was called back because D4 jumped offside. They gave the ball back to the Patriots. Patriots went down, tied the game. I think I do remember that. You remember that? So now D4 now, he, the Chiefs did not re-sign him. The D4 now plays for the San Francisco 49ers. And so that would be a neat matchup to see the Chiefs go against the guy that kind of kept them from the Super Bowl in the Super Bowl. So a lot of Chiefs, as a Chiefs fan, and a lot of chatter has always been about how much, you know, D Ford and the history of Chiefs lore is kind of like looked at as like a low life. So um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that transpires. That would be kind of a neat storyline, though. Yeah, but, and it's, good, it's good for the Chiefs that the Patriots are not in it because. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Tom Brady, you just never yeah, know. Tom Brady fucks everything up. <laughs> <laughs> What's well, up? Bills, man. Bills, uh, man. For a quick story yeah. before we get into some more hockey talk. I heard Tom Brady cleared out his suite, family suite at Gillette Stadium, listed his house for sale. Did you guys hear about that? I didn't hear about that. but it, Not a big deal. He already purchased a new house in Connecticut, but... Uh, um, cleaning out, he's never ever cleaned out his the family suite at uh, Gillette Stadium. So that was some of the rumors. And I think Brady, he's been kind of quoted as saying he's kind of like liberated right now. He kind of this is the first year, you know, of his career basically that he might have like a decision on his future about actually what he wants to do. So you might not see Tom Brady as a Patriot next year. I mean, it, it'd be bizarre to see, but. You, you look at like, you know, like the Peyton Mannings of the world or the Brett Favre's, you know, Brett Favre ends up going and playing for the Minnesota Vikings yeah. at the end of his career. Peyton going to the Denver Broncos. Maybe you'll see that. Maybe you'll see Tom Brady go and play for some other squad for a couple of years before he retires. Rumor mill is Chargers. I, Fuck that. I hope not. I think Tom's done. <laughs> I don't think so. You think I, don't I don't think he's I done yet. I don't think he should be, but I don't think he should be. I think he still have plenty of years, but I don't think he, I think he rides off into the sunset. I don't know. I think he, I think he's gonna play for like two more years somewhere until he starts until he declines a little bit. I mean, I mean, Jesus, he's still playing pretty top notch right now. One of the better quarterbacks, yeah. Top yeah, he's five. at a high level. He didn't have very many uh, receiving options and stuff this year. So if you can put him somewhere, I don't know. I don't know where you put him, honestly. I mean, some team. I'm trying to think in my head quick about where the hell who would want to sign him and make an immediate impact. I don't know. I mean, you, maybe Pat's right. I mean, Philip Rivers is kind of you know the Chargers. Buffalo, hey, he'd be welcome with open arms, I, I would think there. But uh, I think oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But I don't know. Maybe Chargers. Pat, now you say that. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, they've underperformed. They're saying you know? exactly with Phillip Rivers in that whole scenario. I guess he has ties out there or something with the Chargers. He likes I think he's from that area originally. I think he's he thinks he's a SoCal kid, actually. But um, that's an interesting one. I, mean, I hadn't heard that, Pat. But when you put that together, I mean, that's a team that has underperformed every year. A ton of talent on that squad. Phillip Rivers likes to chuck up interceptions a lot. So, I mean, you put uh, – put tom brady out there jesus they i don't like that because it's in my afc west but nice way to end the last two years of your career with palm trees and beaches and nice weather not bad getting sick of playing him and his wife don't need the money like at all no so that that can't be part of the calculation um no she's got money he's got endorsement ads like i mean he's he's got plenty of that well, boys, let's get her over back to the NHL, and uh, we've had some firings in the coaching world, and we've also had one in the GM world, so touch a little bit on that, and uh, I don't know, it just seems to baffle me every time I see a firing and a hiring, and, it, you know, who gets hired and what, you know, why are they hiring them, but, you know, Pat, you want to go into it? a little bit different, you know, why, yeah. why would they, why would Vegas fire Gerard Yeah. Listen to, listen to this stat real quick. Listen to this uh, stat real quick. Since November 20th, NHL head coach firings, seven. Detroit Red Wings wins, five. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's been, there's been more coaches fired since November 20th than the Detroit Red Wings have won hockey games. It's just – it's unbelievable. This is the most bizarre season as far as uh, firings of coaches. I mean, it doesn't even – it's like, is it just like a, is it like, did all the GMs get together and say, let's do something really trendy and fire all the fucking coaches every other week? I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Like no. you have like, what was the most, the most recent one, I guess was today, right? With, uh, on, you know, and he's like, he's on a four yeah, game, well. lose, four game losing streak and they fire him four fire games. Him. He lost in a row. Fucking fire him. I mean, up like a, a year or two ago, he's, he's up for the head, you know, he's, he's the uh, coach of the year finalist yeah. he won coach of the year something some shit like that like yeah. this guy's now fired after losing four games in a row i mean i think first year stanley you, cup final it's unbelievable he's built a squad out there in vegas that competes all the time i mean and you lose four games in a row and they say see you later but i don't know man i, I the message to me is like if you're an nhl coach like just keep your bag packed because i mean i don't i don't know I was saying that earlier, you know, if I was a GM with Gallant, what he's produced, Stanley Cup Finals, the first year, the fucking um, team, ex- the expansion team, first year in the league, went to the, you know, finals. Last Somewhat year expected. Got, last year they bad. got kicked out of the second round of the Stanley Cup Finals. <laughs> and this year they're doing all right. Like Derek said, they lost four games, last four games. And he w- was coach of the year. Um, the first year at, when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals, like who are you going to replace them with? And that's fine. They replaced them with you know uh, DeBoer from San Jose, who just got fired this year in November. But Recycle. now, now, now they got to now the players got to get used to them. The staffs got to get used to them. Is is it going to make that 20, that much of a difference? Twenty four, nineteen, and six. That's that's a fireable record. Like, and, and the other thing is, like, why don't what you know? Crazy. Why don't why don't the NHL GMs treat it like the players? Why don't they, you know, send Gallant down to the AHL and bring up the AHL coach for a little bit? 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I think some of this bullshit has to come back on the players, right? So, I mean, you can't just start firing coaches because the team doesn't win. And coach can't go out there and put the puck in the net, right? You can try to put the right guys in, in on the right lines and put up the power plays and motivate the players. But they, at the end of the day, the goalie's got to stand on his head. The players got to um, play hard and they got to make good decisions on the ice. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough situation for coaches because you can't, you know, anybody that's coached that has been a player and you're sitting on the bench and you're watching these guys fuck up and do shit, you know, get penalties and stuff like that to lose games. And it's so frustrating because you can't go out there and win the game for them. Right. If you, as a player, you just want to be able to just go out there and do it. But uh, at some point, the, the, the GMs have to put the, you know, the pressure on these players to win the games. I mean, on the opposite side of it, you talk about the Red Wings have only won five games since November 20th and they still have the same head coach. Right. You know, so we were talking about it earlier. Does Stevie Eiserman just, you know, pretty much think that his team sucks and no matter who he gets behind the bench, they're still going to suck. You know, so why fire the coach? Because they're probably not going to win any more games. But, you know, that coach you think would have been fired two months ago. Yeah. You know, so it's it's just odd, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I don't understand I mean, it. Vegas, where else are they going to go? They want they want to stay in the cup finals. I mean, eventually they're not going to make playoffs. Eventually they're going to lose six games in a row. Eventually they're going to, you know, barely make the wild card. They're not going to go to the finals every single year. I mean, who do they think they are? Well, so look at this. Let, let's compare this right now. Buffalo Sabres brought in that Kruger guy, Ralph Kruger, the soccer guy. They were hot in the first half of the season. They've oh. gone stale since. Oh, oh go ahead. Yeah, it's always, <laughs> right, always. Every Ralph year. still has a job, and fucking, you know, Gallard Gallant there, whatever his name is. Gallant Gallant. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I can't. Rob, what did you say? The, the the Vegas record was what? 24. What do you say? 24, 19, and 6, right? And he's fired, right? Right. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't know where this comes from. I can't help but think it's just like, I don't know. You know how like there's just like trends in sports, right? Where like it just becomes like, you know, the answer is to, you know, toss the coach to the corner. It's their fault. But going back to what Pat said, like, when you get rid of a coach, right? I mean, these guys have been through training camp, through, you know, all off season. Like, you're talking about, you know, you're bringing in one. You, so you, you're, you're playing for one guy that has instilled a culture, right? For months and months and months and months and fucking months. And then, so you make the decision as a GM, yeah, we're going to shit that culture out that took, you know, six months to develop. And we're going to bring in this guy and this new guy and, he has to try to implement implement an entire new culture, but at the same time, like, yeah, maybe he'll maybe he'll spark like a three four game winning streak because he's fucking new, you know what I mean? Like, and coach and the players are like, shit, we better impress this guy because you know they're firing coaches, so maybe the next step is they're just gonna start sending us out the fucking door, you know? So that last four or five games, like, what's the end game? I I, I just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, no cohesiveness. Like, I mean. If you look at the teams that are successful in sports, it's people that have committed to a coach, committed to a system, and, like, ridden it out. I mean, I guess if there's glaring, like, incompetency, like, going on, yeah, you shit can the guy. But I don't know. There's going to be highs and lows and everything. So I, I just – I don't know. I don't get this new trend in the NHL of, like, 
guys lose like six games in a row. Like we thought we were going to be in the playoffs, even though we have no fucking talent on the roster and I'm the GM. So I'm going to fire the coach to make it look like it's not my fault. Like, I, I don't know. I just, it's, it's a troubling trend to me, honestly, because I think the other thing it says, and I don't mean to be long winded, but I think the other thing it says, or the, it, the message it sends too, is like, you know, you're going to have, everybody wants to be in the NHL, obviously, because it's the top, t- top tier of the sports world and hockey. Right. But, what, what's the message you're sending to young coaches who have a lot of talent? Like, I mean, maybe maybe they're going to second guess themselves and say, you know what, I'm going to stay in D1 hockey. I don't want it. I'm not going to go take that job because if I go on a six game losing streak, fuck, I'm going to be back down, you know, back down looking for work. So I don't know. I, I think there's a whole lot of different uh, angles to look at this from and all of them seem a little bit troubling to me. But that's up for debate, I guess. Yeah, you're right with the, you're right with NCAA coaches because if you have a 500 season, it's probably not a good chance you're going to get fired, right? I mean, you pretty much have to tank like St. Lawrence did and have two wins for the season, something like that, to to get a coach fired. And, and you, your job security, as long as you're winning, you're staying above 500. You know, it's not a lot of turnover in that. You'll see a coach like Joe Marsh coach for 25 years, right? Um, so you know, Quinner and these other guys that have left, like the guy in Dallas. Um, you know, left and, you know, does he stay in Denver? Uh, you know, you just, just don't know what's going to happen. But just to, to switch gear, go ahead, Rob. Well, I was going to say, I, I suppose that's where, you know, the sports world meets the business world, right? So now we're running into collisions of, you know, what I can't, I guess, you've, you've made the investment in a coach like Montgomery in Dallas, right? Um, he didn't do anything wrong per se that we know of we do know he ended up checking into aa is that a fireable offense you've invested in this guy why not let him go through aa and figure out the other side of that you you've invested in so now you're in the situation where you've invested a ton of money in this coach and you're just cutting that money loose paying some sort of severance package and you know, and, and then what? You're you're going into the next coach, paying on the next coach a shit ton of money. You know, it just it's not attached to reality. Like I can't run my business. Like, I have to invest in my people. If my people fuck up, I have to determine whether you know it's an honest fuck up, and you know, do I figure out a way to help them out to get out of that, and then come back in, or do I just say? You know, we gave them tons of uh, millions of dollars of money. Fuck it. We'll go on to the next million-dollar contract and see if that – you know, it, it just doesn't seem attached to – like, Is that a fact that Montgomery got went into AA? I didn't hear that. A rehab or something like that. I don't know. That's what Rob said. I didn't see it, but Rob said he saw that somewhere. I, I did see Montgomery in his specific situation. He checked himself into AA. Hmm. Now, I don't know the story behind that, but – you know, my point is he's struggling with alcohol, which most people in the NHL and coaches probably are. World? It's stressful. It's a stressful job, man. I mean, to have a few pops, I mean, especially the, the culture, the Canadian culture of hockey is a lot of booze involved. And it's always been part of the hockey culture to have beers, uh, you know, and sometimes people, like even in the corporate world, a lot of times if you check yourself into rehab, you get the um, 30 days to go to rehab and they take you back, right? So that's kind of that, you know, as long as you get your shit together, they take you back. That's, to what, I, that's what I mean from a business standpoint. They're just fucking throwing money around. 
right? I mean, in my business, I have to be fucking sure of every penny that goes somewhere. And it seems like these guys are just... <laughs> well, speaking of, um, you know, the business business end of the, of the game, uh, the firing in New Jersey, they got rid of their GM this week with Ray Sherrill, a St. Lawrence guy. Um, I was kind of surprised at that. I mean, I know they've been, you know, ripping through coaches like crazy. Um, next guy is the GM, right? But I, in the offseason, I thought he did the best job of bringing players in to win. And, you know, he got P.K. Subban in there. He got Wayne Simmons in there. Um, he got the first round draft pick. Uh, you know, they did a lot of good things as far as a GM standpoint uh, to put a good team together on paper. I think the only loss that maybe he has on his end is not being able to keep Halsey there. Uh, but, you know, I mean, him not being able to find a good head coach. I mean, what, what's this, what's the reason? I know they're losing a lot of games, but um, at, like well, we talked about. Fired Hines and then fucking. Halsey uh, wasn't going to stay there no matter what. And I don't care who the GM was. He, he's leaving, so can't put that on his plate, that's for sure. Well, yeah. and, and Hines, the coach they fired, went and got picked up from fucking uh, Nashville. Nashville right away. Yeah. So, you know, what the fuck is going on here? What am I missing? Yeah, Montgomery I think, got fired from the Stars, and he's in uh, Nashville now. So, Yeah, I, I think this goes back kind of the conversation Montgomery we were having about. Montgomery Hines from New Jersey. Yeah. Montgomery is in AA right now. He got picked up for uh, the uh, – no, yeah, Hines. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. John Hines <clears throat> from New Jersey. Yeah, yeah anyway yeah. – I think this kind of goes back to that conversation we were having, even about the NFL and stuff like that. Like, I don't, you have to like, you can put a bunch of people together on paper that look good. You know what I mean? But you got it. There's so much more to building a team than just getting big names and, you know, getting great, you know, getting good draft, you know, getting the top draft picks. Like you got it. There's so much more to this. There's so much more intangible to building a team and you have to have a coach that instills a culture and a chemistry and then you have to find those players whether or not they're big names or not most of the most certainly you know most of the time it's not the big players that that build these teams up man you got to find people that are going to fit into your culture your system and it, a lot of times it isn't big names so i mean that's that falls on the gm i mean the gm is in charge of giving the coach what the coach describes to him as you know, the type of player he needs to be successful. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a failure on the you know on the GM when it when it comes down to the fact that yeah he brought in all these players, but obviously those players don't coexist very well. So yeah, well, they don't gel. And, and so I was just about to say that that is an excellent point. It is Ray Sherrill's responsibility to line up the number one draft and to get the number one draft. It's his responsibility to bring in Wayne Simmons and uh, P.K. Subin. It's exactly John Hines' coach, the coach, responsibility to cultivate that chemistry that you're talking about. So it goes. the responsibility goes from the GM to the coach. The only thing Ray, Ray Shiro can can do is put the pieces on the board. It's now Heinz's job to play those pieces correctly. Yeah. But what I was getting at, what I was getting at though, is like the GM has to know though, like if he brings in a Wayne Simmons and he brings in, you know, whoever else, are those two people not going to coexist very well? You know what I mean? Like they sound good. You know, PK Subban and Wayne Simmons sound like really good on paper, right? 
but yep. are those two personalities like you know counteractive to one another you know what i mean like is it you know so like there's more to more to the fact that like you can't just say to the to the coach here's all these pieces right they all look really good on fucking paper but they all have attributes and personalities that don't mesh at all coach go make it work regardless you know like you can't do that like you know there's so much more to the yeah. game I think is what, I'm saying, is what I'm saying, you know, so that's and, and the great GMs and the great owners and, the you know, the great coaches, they figure out all this shit and they, they bring in the right kind of talent. So when GMs and coaches are getting fired, they're not doing what I'm talking about right now. Yeah, I, I, I just tend to think um, for the coach, even when, you know, you have oil and water on a team, you know, I like a salad. I like mine oil and vinegar. Oil and vinegar don't match, but together they make a fucking great mix. That's because I know how to make my salad, right? So Talk your salad. Is, well, whatever. But the point <laughs> is, I think I, as you know, someone who watches, who has played hockey and followed hockey for a long time, I think I could do a better job in some instances of putting the oil together to make it taste good. One of the things that we need to talk about with these coaches is being able to motivate the players to play, right? So one of the biggest things we talk about is the confidence that these guys have to go out there and have the confidence that they can put the puck in the back of the net or the confidence to stop the puck in the net. Uh, You know, so the guy in LSU that won the national championship, do you think that guy motivated his players? Do you think he fucking punched himself in the face just because he wanted to punch himself? You know, like that guy got his players ready to go, right? And, you know, maybe that is part of the culture that we need to see more of, that these guys get their players ready to play every night and get them fired up to want to win for the coach. You know, if your coach is, you know, really, you know, aggressive and really fired up coach and he really is into the game. Is that going to help these guys get ready to go? I mean, I don't know at that level, you know, you got adults. Um, it's harder to motivate adults than it is college players. Uh, you know, because a lot of these guys think they're better than everybody else. And, you know, paid millions of bucks. So as yes. soon as you get your million dollar contract, it's like, you know, don't get to tell me what's going on. Yeah, I mean, you're playing for yourself at that point instead of playing for the, the team on the front of your jersey. So, you know, that happens in pro sports where you're in college, you're not getting paid, you're simply playing for the, the team that you're on and for that team to win. For the love of win. the sport still? For the love of the sport. And you're playing because you love the sport and you're playing because you want to win. Once you get into the professional leagues, you're playing almost for yourself because if you don't play – at a high level, you're not getting paid and you might get sent down to the minors. You know, so you're more focused on how is my personal play tonight opposed to how can I just help the team win, right? So, you know, some of that role playing is getting lost because these guys, you know, they want to they want to put the puck in the back of that. And they want to get on the score sheet. They want to get these big contracts. But, um, you know, that's just – it's part of the game, man. I think there's motivation and the confidence. You just see it throughout the season. You'll see a team hot. Uh, you know, like we talked about the wild quite a bit on the show. They were hot for a number of weeks, actually a couple months. And the last four games, they've lost four straight. Uh, and you can see it in the players. When they started losing, they just don't have the confidence. Um, you know, there's a big blunder last night, Pat. We talked about it. Actually, uh, I want to talk about coaches fucking up. Bruce Bajo had Pattern in the lineup ready to play the game. They're about to drop the puck. 
the refs are going over the bench and they've got this the it's the first time i've ever seen it happen where they have this the player sheet out and it's just a piece of paper that the coaches are looking at you know and like what the fuck's going on you know they don't really explain it well bruce bedrow didn't have him on the on the lineup so pattern had to go to the fucking locker room get undressed and they call they called in donato from the fucking press box somewhere and he comes in to get dressed for the game so they had to play with five defensemen you know that's a coach fuck up um donato barely played at all played a little bit in the third period and uh they had to play with, with a against a penguins team that's really good with only five defensemen so you know stupid shit like that a coach needs to be held accountable for something like that that's pretty like, yeah, and his pattern too. I mean, he he's a key figure on that Minnesota Wild defensive core. So that's fireball. <laughs> my <laughs> first time I've ever seen that shit where they say that guy can't play. That. I didn't know about that. You're telling that story, and I'm sitting here like with my eyes like wide open, like wait, what? At the fucking yeah. NHL level, that just fucking happened. Yeah, like somebody didn't double check the fucking lineup. Like somebody didn't catch that they they didn't have their defenseman in the lineup. Yeah. I mean, that's, it was, you know, and I think the refs were kind of like looking at them there like with their hands, like, this isn't our deal. We didn't do this because, you know, Bruce is like giving them shit, you know, and, you know, I think uh, Bruce was hoping that they didn't have fucking Crosby on their lineup. So, you know, if we want to touch on that real quick, if anybody saw that game, Sidney Crosby came back for his first game after his 28 game injury stint there. And he just looked like he just never missed a step and he played absolutely awesome. He's uh, had a goal and three assists for four points. Um, you know, and they actually had a stat up during the game of like every, like he's been hurt, I don't know, seven times in his career. And every time he's come back, he's had like a lot of, there was like three or four different times he had multiple point games and he at least had one point. So, I mean, the guy comes back from injury always on point. Uh, so the Penguins are, are going to be nasty. I mean, I watched them last night. Their friggin' power play is, is just unbelievable. You don't want to be, you know, having any penalties against them. Now with Crosby back, Malkin had three points last night. I, did you guys see the pass that he had, like the behind the back pass to the guy in the slot? It didn't even it see. I don't know. The crease. It went across the crease to the backside. I don't even know how he saw him. His face, his head was facing directly at the net, and he just swung the puck behind him, like a backhand pass around his back to the guy coming down the slot from the blue line. And I think it was Rust, and just he just buried it. I mean, it was an unbelievable pass because he didn't even see him coming. So Malkin is, is playing really well right now. Now Sidney Crosby's back in the lineup. Um, Latang played well. I mean, they have just a, a pretty good lineup, and the guy was a jogger. How do you say his name, the goalie? Something like that. Tanav played great last night. They just got a... A slew of players, but Crosby and Malkin are just on another Jari plan. Jari, yeah, Jari, yeah. Jari, he played he played unbelievable. The, the shots were actually, I think, just about just, even. And they they worked a while that seven to two. Was, I mean they Wild had a couple late goals in the third, but it wasn't even wasn't even a game. But just going to say, you know, that momentum has changed, it's shifted from the Wild being one of the hottest teams in the league. Now they've lost four straight and it looks like they're struggling. Um you know, they've changed all their fucking lines up again. Bruce is doing his bullshit. Uh, you know, they're just who knows what to put players on the roster. And yeah, who, who knows who's going to be a healthy scratch uh, next week. But yeah, so we'll see what happens with the Wild. I think they're they're at a crucial point in their season right now where they got to play every game like a playoff game, even though we're not even close to that yet. But for them to get their points up towards the wild card, 
it basically is a playoff game every night for them. So they need to get their shit turned around quickly. So uh, NHL standings, fellas, if you want to just run through that, uh, pull that up and go down the list of the conferences. Uh, you know, we're coming into the all-star break here. I think it's uh, next weekend, I believe, the 24th, 5th, something like that, um, whatever the dates are next weekend. So they'll have a little break there for the all-star game. And this is kind of a crucial point, obviously, in the NHL season um, for the standings going in. You know, this is kind of a milestone everybody talks about going into the All-Star break, right? So um, let's just run through that quick. Whoever wants to pick pick a conference can start with that. So I got the Central. St. Louis is uh, still on top out there. They've been on top for a while now, I want to say since October. Um, 67 points ahead of Dallas. Top three in the Central, St. Louis, Dallas, and Colorado. They've kind of been that way for a while. I don't think you're going to see much change out there. Um, Colorado has 56 points. Dallas has 58. St. Louis with 67. Um, St. Louis has just been on fire. Actually, uh, I think the storyline for the Central is Chicago. They've been on a tear now. Um, they're in the hunt for a wild card uh, in the Central yeah. West. Um, but Nashville and, you know, Nashville just fired their coach and, uh, Minnesota's at the bottom in the central. So St. Louis, Dallas, and Colorado is the, the teams in the central. Tough, tough, tough division there. I thought Detroit was going to make it here too this year. Pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah listen, obviously, obviously the wild guard is going to be a, a toss up for all the divisions. Well, except for a couple teams in the league that are really shitty. But, um, you know, if you talk about the central pat, you know, the wilds, in last place with 46 points, they're, you know, out eight points out of the wild card right now, which, you know, is, is not hard to turn that around with a, with a, you know, nice hot streak. So, you know, Nashville, Minnesota, Chicago, and Winnipeg for that wild card right now. I mean, that's, I mean, the only team in that division that's really kind of pulled away is, is St. Louis, you know, there's 67 points and then Dallas only has 58. So, um, you know, nobody's probably going to, St. Louis is probably, if they see, keep playing the way they are. They're not going to get bumped out of that, that playoff run. But um, I think the rest of it's up in the air with however many games are left. You just never know. St. Louis, man, they, they got a hot power play, man. I think they have the fourth overall, you know, power play in the league or something like that. And I think over the last month or so, they've been number one in the league on the power play. So that speaks to where they stand in that, in, you know, in the central. So power plays big time when it comes to the NHL. So, St. Louis yeah, is probably think, gonna find their way up there for a long time. Yeah, and we and I've said in the podcast before that most of the leading scorers in the NHL are on the number one power play unit. Yeah, no doubt. Well, listen, I'll, I'll talk about the Metro a little bit. You got the the Capitals up there. Ov still fucking balling out, obviously. So uh, got a couple of interesting actually uh, free agents. I think uh, Ov. Ovi and Holtby are going to be uh, free agents at the end of this year. So Washington yep. might be a different team coming in the next year, whatever decisions they make. But Washington's still dominating there. looks like he's going somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't think uh, – they probably won't retain Holtby, but I don't know how you let a guy like Holtby get out the door. I mean, even though even with his age, what it is, you can't let his goals out the door. But And everything else he brings to the table. But, uh, yeah, so then you got Washington, Pittsburgh, New York Islanders, Carolina Hurricanes – uh, Philadelphia and Columbus Blue Jackets before you kind of fall off to the, you know, Rangers and the Devils that are bottom feeding down there. So, um, 
Philadelphia, you know, I, I don't – they're probably not going to make a run because I think Carter Hart has a uh, pretty serious injury that's going to keep him out a couple, two, three weeks or something like that. So that's not going to help uh, Philadelphia and uh, uh, those guys Yeah, down the stretch. It's going to be tough for them. So those guys – I mean, it's going to boil down, obviously, like always, to, it, in, like it has been the last few years anyways, Washington, Pittsburgh. Uh, Islanders are, you know, Barry Trotz continues to keep those guys competitive. So, um, not a lot of surprises, stuff rising to the top there, like always. And, uh, that's, that's the Metro for you, man. It's, uh, then you got the team at the bottom, the Rangers talking about maybe, uh, dicing off, uh, Lundquist. So, um, see what happens. There are going to be some big changes probably in the Rangers going over the next couple of two, three weeks. Yep. Definitely. Over to the, the Atlantic division, and Atlantic is, is a division that was, um, at the beginning of the season, we were looking at the Atlantic saying, what the fuck's going on in the Atlantic? Why is Toronto not winning? You know, they changed their coach. Now they're now they're winning. And why isn't Tampa Bay winning? You know, they, they had such a great season last year. But now if you look at the division now, these, the Bruins have been playing well all year, but now you have Tampa Bay in second place, right? So they were down towards the bottom at the beginning of the year. They're right back up in second place, and you got Toronto in third. So you got the Bruins, Tampa, and Toronto on the top of that division. Well, if you had to look at it at the beginning of the season, we'd probably say that that's what it would be, right? So that division has, like Derek says, has, the cream has risen to the to, to the top for sure. Um, and then the the question marks have fallen off for that wild card. Uh, you just, so they have Florida Panthers uh, continue to play well. They're in the first wild card spot, and then Buffalo right behind them. Um, you know, after Buffalo, you have the the, the Canadians that are probably still in the mix. Uh, obviously, definitely still in the mix because they're only about six points out of that wild card. And then after it falls off to Ottawa and Detroit, I mean, they're they're just playing for fun right now. Uh, they definitely don't have a chance to do shit. So I mean, for the rest of the t- rest of the league, when they're when they're playing against Ottawa and they're playing against Detroit and they're playing against um, you know some of these teams at the bottom of the barrel, the Jerseys and Anaheim's of the league, they're just hopefully getting their wins and getting their points against these teams and. And those teams are the ones that are trying to figure out what's going on for next year. But that's basically what's going on in that division. Uh, I think we'll see some of the same for the second half of the season. I think those top three teams are going to be in the top three. And then the fight for the wild card. Um, I kind of like the way the Florida Panthers are playing. Obviously, they got a new coach with Gwenville down there. Um, they got some great players. Uh, they got some really good players, actually. So I think that they might be able to have the, the chance to get that wild card. I'd like to see them do well. Obviously, I'm down in Florida now. I've had to a game here in a couple of weeks. Um, and, you know, be good for the sport down in South Florida. Yeah. Lightning's Lightning are hot, man. That's one of the hottest teams in the NHL. I've won 11 of the last 12 games. So Crazy. Uh, yeah, I think there's six points behind the uh, Bruins with uh, – they have two games in hand. So, um, look out for the Lightning, man. It, it's, not, it's not the Lightning of last year where they kind of rode the, you know, top of the mountaintop all the way to the end and won the president's cup and then blew it. I mean, this is a team that's kind of, they, they're going to have that different mindset going into the playoffs. You know, they're the team that are coming from behind now and they're catching fire late as opposed to, you know, being that team that wrote up, you know, was on top all the way to the end. So um, Tampa Bay lightning are dangerous. They're, this might be the year to really watch out for the lightning. Yeah, no, definitely. For the Pacific, I mean, I'm, I'm not exactly surprised either. We've got Arizona sitting on top, Edmonton 2, Calgary 3. Uh, they're basically all tied. They're 26 and 18. Arizona's 26 and 18. 
uh, Edmonton and Calgary are both tied at 25 and 18. So, you know, the top three in the Pacific are, are tight. Then you have Vancouver, Winnipeg, Vegas, who just fired their coach. I mean, Vegas is sitting at 54, so they're tied for points with the top three wild cards. So they're not even out yet, and they fired their coach. Not even close to be out. Chicago, who is on fire right now. Nashville, who is in a slump, fired their coach, just hired New Jersey. And then you have Minnesota, who really is not out. They're eight points out, but, you know, a 10-game win streak could swing them in a completely different direction. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, in the um, Pacific – with Arizona at 57, then you got the fifth place Vegas Knights with 54. So we're talking three points. So, you know, the top five, you know, the five teams in that, in that division. So there's, you know, that can change. We can't even, you know, speculate on that. I'm, I'm sure you're going to see Arizona at the top for a while just because the additions they have, but yeah, yeah it's hard. You're right, had right. a nasty snipe the other night. I mean, he's coming. Look, it's the right time to be firing on also. Um, the Pacific is tight. Uh, there's no one team that appears to just be the, you know, it's uh, we don't have a San uh, St. Louis who's pulling away in the Pacific. It's tight in the Pacific. I, yeah. yeah. I, I like those top four teams. I mean, I, you know, I, I've watched the, the Edmonton Oilers. I watched Calgary the other night against uh, Minnesota. Um, they were coming off a win, I think, maybe in Boston. But, um you know, they're playing really good hockey right now in Calgary, and, and so is Edmonton. And they had the Battle of Alberta last week that, you know, you guys might have caught as well. Um, you know, the, yeah, that, that, that was a good game. I mean, in uh, Arizona's playing great hockey right now. They've got they've got a good team on paper, and they're also putting it together on the ice. Uh, and, you know, in Vancouver, I got a chance to watch them the other night, and, and they have a good team too, you know. Like, and we don't get to watch Vancouver too much being on the East Coast, but – um, they, they've definitely got a good team out there. You know, they're going to be, I think, a contender. So, you know, I wouldn't count uh, Vancouver out by any means. No, yeah. Vancouver is tied basically with Calgary and Edmonton with the 25 and 18. So they're they're actually all tied for, you know, second. What's going on? What's going on with Matthew Kachuk? Has anybody seen that? Uh, is he getting another little fucking controversy thing recently? Somebody was saying. Did you see the fight with Cassin? Yeah, that's what it was. I, I, I was trying to remember what the fuck it was. Didn't he get blasted by somebody? So yeah. I, I know the details pretty well. I'll, I'll describe it uh, as best as I can. Fill in whatever I, I miss. But um, so during that game, you know, Battle of Alberta, which is uh, you know an intense game to begin with. Um, Matthew Kachuk had basically lined up Cassian a couple times and fucking popped him. You know, I think they were good, solid, hard-playing hits. Me too. Uh, I think Cassian probably got the feeling that he was being um, singled out or or targeted targeted by Kachuk. And that's why I think during that last hit, I don't know if you saw it, but his response to the hit, you know, he fucking lost his shit. And as soon as he grabbed a hold of his shoulder pads from the back, he just fucking ragdolled him. And then, you know, on top of grabbing somebody that you didn't know was going to fight you, 
he already had his shit off and was fucking swinging on him. So having him, you know, by the back of his shoulder pads, basically, he had complete control. He yanked him down to the ground, picked him back up. And the whole while, he's just fucking, you know. Feeding him? So. Yeah, I saw, I saw a picture online. And Chuck was like turtle and had his gloves over his face and shit. It looked awful, but I don't know that Kachuk had any other response, really, than to protect himself. You know, two guys square up, they look at each other, they drop their gloves, and then they come in to fucking go. This was not that. This was, again, he had complete control from the back, horse collaring him, and at the same time, he was driving him with punches. So... You know, as Kachuk came up, the only thing he had was this. Little turtle. You look at Twitter and it's like, oh, Kachuk's a pussy, he turtled. No, he didn't really have a choice. It was not a fair fight. Give Kachuk a chance to throw punches? Okay. Maybe maybe Cassian is a tough fucker. Maybe he is. And at what point do you turtle to protect yourself when you're one of the best that, players on the that team, was right? Not a fight. That was not a fight where he had the chance yeah. to square off and, and – you know, throw some punches. So. Listen, my take on that is if any other Calgary Flames player hit cash in like that, we wouldn't be talking about it right now. The only reason it happened was because of Matthew Kachuk, the kind of player he is. And, you know, like Matthew said, you know, if he wants to get in the on the train tracks, get ready because I'm going to hit you. And both every, hits time. Were, every time, both hits were fine in my book. It was just because it was Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, and, clean um, hits. Clean hits. And and then on to defend Matthew Kachuk because I like him. If I was a GM, I would try my darnest to get him on my squad. Um, is exactly what Rob said. Cashin already threw his gloves off, going to grab him and hor- like horse collaring him, is what they call him football, and just kind of dragged him around and punched him. Kachuk had no chance. He could have tried, I guess. I guess you, I guess you could, you could argue that he didn't try and he's a pussy. Okay, that's fine. If you, if you see the clip, the way he got horse collared from the back, he was off kill already and was being ragdolled. And then, but they were winning, so Kachuk didn't have to fight. So it was the Battle of Alberta too. So um, get the win. Yep, you got, he got a penalty. He got suspended two games. And so uh, Kachuk can, you know, laugh at that. Yeah. And, you know, these big hits are great, um, you know, as far as getting your team into the game. And I don't know if you saw it last night. I think you guys did. But uh, Marcus Foligno for the Minnesota Wild um, was in the, just came into the corner and absolutely laid this guy out. Um, awesome, hit on, awesome hit on the Penguins. Um, puck turns around, about to go out of the neutral zone. Uh, intercepted, comes back in just about on a, a short little breakaway and dekes out the goalie and scores, right? So yeah. what a tremendous play from this this Foligno, man. He's just just been on fire fire for the, for Minnesota Wild. And he's a fourth liner now up on the – I think he's on – I don't know third. if that line's playing third, but they switch up the lines to match up. So sometimes it's second, third, depending on when they put him out. But, you know, he's, he's moved up the lineup and, you know, he's, he's – Laying people out every game and, you know, multiple people. He just every time he's laying big, hard body checks. And I think that's helping him get his confidence to be able to put the puck in the back of the net. I'd like to see more of it. I'd like to see more of these guys laying people out. 
Um, you know, and one of the things that I've noticed watching a lot of hockey lately is when did the fucking uh, stick swing become a defensive move? Like, fucking skate through the puck like you're taught as a young player and get the fucking puck. Like, why are you swinging your sticks at everything that comes in the zone? Like, step up and hit somebody. You know, I just don't I don't um, understand why it's it's a defensive move now to sit back and wave your stick, and that's like a good defensive play. And I, if you guys haven't noticed it, start watching a little bit of how much stick waving goes on and how much how little people are stepping up to take the body when somebody comes through the zone. And if you haven't seen it, you'll start noticing a lot more now that I mentioned it. I just saw a video. You know, USA Hockey is trying to get ahead of all this stuff, right? You know, it's a it was a textbook clip of a guy stepping up to play the body. The appropriate, this goes to Mark, you know, flailing, you know, swinging your stick and not playing the body. The guy skating through, you're supposed to go stick to stick or stick to puck and follow through with your shoulder, right? That's how they're, they're qualifying a, a good hit these days is you're going for the puck. Though. First of all, the player still has the puck. When you come through, you go stick to stick, and then you come through with the body. Yeah, I mean, I just find it ridiculous. There's so much stick waving going on. You know, it's it's like, you know, even whether it's uh, in a defensive zone and like you're you got a winger that's hanging on the half boards there waiting for the puck to come up to him. And the puck's like five feet in the corner. He's waving his stick at the fucking puck, like take two steps and go get the puck. Like, I, I just don't understand why it's acceptable now just to wave sticks around. And I don't know if it's because of the rule changes and I'm not up on it. And that's the way they're being taught now is, is not to get caught up and get penalties because there's a lot of fucking dumb penalties now. Um, but I, it's just, it seems like that's the way to go. It's going as far as how you play defense. And, um, obviously in our era, it was to step up and lay a guy out in the middle of you know, open ice. Uh, you just don't see it as much. Now you see a lot more stick waving going through the blue line area. And, you know, I'd like to see that change a little bit. And I, I, I don't, you don't see Marcus Foligno doing that shit. He's laying people out no matter where they're on the ice. And I, I like the way he's playing. Um, but anyways, boys, uh, I think one more thing, that, a couple, two more things we want to touch on. Uh, the Marchant thing we have to touch on because it couldn't have happened to a better guy. Um, <laughs> you know, after all the fucking face licking that he's right, done right. over the years and all the stupid shit that he's pulled, um, for, for him to be embarrassed like that in front of uh, 20,000 people was kind of made me smile a little bit when I saw that. Karma. Yeah, so, I mean, for the listeners, if you didn't see it, check it out on Twitter or Google it. And he went to take a penalty shot and completely missed the puck. And the rule is you can't go back and pick up the puck and start again. So Forward motion. So it was, forward he motion had to stops. touch the puck, right? So he didn't miss it completely. He did touch the puck. It moved a little bit. So once that puck goes in motion, you can't stop. Like Rob said, forward progression. Once you, it starts going forward and it stops, it's dead. So the idiot, yeah. you know, skated fast. Just barely clipped the pot, and um, that was it. Well, he's got one yeah. one thing going for him. He's going to go down in the record books for the worst penalty shot ever, right? So, I mean, I don't know of anyone worse than that. Um, so he'll get that record on, on his little actress next to his name for worst penalty shot. So check it out if you haven't seen That's pretty funny stuff. And the last thing I think we wanted to touch on, boys, was uh, the possibility, the rumor going around that the king – Hendrick Lundquist could possibly pull a Bork and uh, maybe go out to Colorado for the end of the season uh, for a playoff run. 
and uh, help them win a cup out there. Whether it'll happen or not, whether it's rumor, whether it's just the internet bullshit that we're seeing, uh, it's a possibility. I do think if it's something that he decides to waive his uh, no trade clause there, uh, they have $15 million of cap space out in Colorado to make the deal happen. So it isn't something that can't be done. And what are your thoughts on it? Would, do you think that would be a good move for him to uh, try to get a cup? I don't know. I mean, is it a, first of all, does he want to leave the Rangers is the question. Everyone's speculating that he wants to. Um, if he, I think he wants to stay and be a Rangers, be a Ranger, I think the Rangers will keep him. Obviously, it's Lundqvist. Um, but they have three really good goalies. And um, if he's going to be there for another, you know, two years, three years, um, you know, maybe trade away that Georgieson, whatever his name is. Georgiev. Georgiev. Um, he's nasty. And um, I guess their second string goalies better than the third string. But anyways, they got three really good goalies. And if Lundqvist wants to stay there, then they're going to trade away that third third string goalie and get some, uh, you know, top end players for sure. What doesn't I, that, make sense? What doesn't make sense for me is Rangers are getting younger. So yeah. how does Lundqvist fit in that? That's the other yeah. aspect of it. Yep. So I, I, I'm not sure. You know, until you said that, Mark, I, I only considered him considering retiring. But you know, if he thinks he's got a shot at winning the cup, don't you head to Colorado? I mean, I would. I mean, if it was almost 38 years old or something, he's getting up there. I don't think he has that many more seasons to win a cup. And for me, I mean, I'm being a Rangers guy. Like, I look at that roster, and I don't see it. I don't see him winning a cup in next year. Definitely not this year. Can they do it in three years? I mean, they're rebuilding. Can you be 38 years old and be on a rebuilding team waiting to win your only Stanley Cup? They've been waiting to win your whole life. You know, so. Why do you think fucking Ray Bork did it? Why do you think these other play, these great players, you know, have jumped ship to go to other teams to to win that cup, right? It's the coveted Stanley Cup. Everybody wants to put that on their resume when they're done playing hockey. Uh, does he does he have that chance if he stays in in New York? And uh, you know, loyalty only goes so far, right? You know. Uh, well, if he stays in New York, though, don't you see his playing time diminishing and not getting better? If they really have three goalies, his time gets less. Not yeah. More. Yeah. So I mean, I he's that- he's he has injected his that no movement clause of his contract before. So I mean, I think you know the Rangers have actually kind of wanted to move on from him, you know, prior to this, honestly. And he's kind of like you know said, uh, uh-uh, uh, I've got this. I want to stay in New York. I'm happy here. His family's there, whatever, you know. But um, it just makes no sense. Like like Rob was saying, you know, Rob alluded to this just a few seconds ago. I mean. It makes no sense for the roster in the way that the Rangers are building that team to hang on to Lundqvist at this point. I mean, you got to get some capital. Like and, and like Mark said, this is not a team that's going to win the cup, going after the cup this year, and maybe not even next year. You know what I mean? But this guy's not getting any younger. It, he does not fit into the plan or the scope of how they're building the squad at all right now. So you got to get no. as a GM, you got to get some kind of capital for him while you can. So I mean, if it's a yeah. You know, if it's a draft pick or a player or whatever the hell you get, you got to get it while you can. You know, the, you can't. I, I saw the rumor about like that Georgiev potentially yeah, getting traded to Toronto or something like that. And it's like, why the fuck are you going to trade Georgiev and hang on to Lundqvist? You know, I mean, Georgia, like this guy has like he's the future of your team potentially. You know, what I mean, like he's the future at goaltender. 
for your team. The and you know, class. Seriously. And, you know, and they also have that Chester can or whatever his name is. And it's like, why not develop those two young guys? Georgiev looks like the real deal. He's just young and developing and you get some guys in front of him. I don't know. I just didn't make any sense to hang on to Lundquist at this point. It just makes zero sense to me. So the trade rumor to the fact that he would, you know, wave that clause and move on, I think, I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And for me, I'm a big Lundquist fan. You know, I think he, I think he's a, a great goalie. He's a man rocket. I mean, everybody loves him. Right. So I would like to see the guy go out to fucking Colorado and win a cup. I mean, that would be awesome for him in the first group. Aspen. <laughs> and Colorado is an amazing, amazing fucking city to play sports in. Um, you know, having the chance to play out in that arena um, is, you know, even when we were playing there, it was sold out every game. It was only like a handful of teams that ever sold out. But Colorado fans, are, they support their team no matter what. They're always selling out every venue for every sports team out there. And they, it's it's really fun place to play, uh, play sports. So, um, and pot's legal out there, I heard. So that's another positive. And um, that's just, if you have an opportunity, you know, New York is, MSG is probably one of the most marquee spots to play hockey, but you're not going to fucking Winnipeg. You know what I mean? You're going to another awesome hockey town and a great place to play. And you're going to a team that's fucking nasty. And Pat's been talking about them all year as a, you know, one of the next teams to win a cup. So, I mean, there's not too many times you get the chance to go play on that team um, because they already have a goalie. They already have the top players they need. So, you know, there's few, there's not a lot of times where you can get picked up by a team that's already going to, you know, make a run for the cup. So, I, I mean, I don't know if this is all speculation. Is Grubauer injured out in Colorado? He's not. I mean, I did see a little bit about that, you know, that he's been playing really well. But, you know, like we talked about with the dual goalies, um, having, you know, two good goalies to make it to the, to the Stanley Cup, right? We talk about all the time they have to have two good goalies, and I think that's kind of the concept there. And they would probably – if he, if it happened early, then they would battle it out for the top spot, you know, throughout the season. Let's say Grubauer gets hurt here in another three weeks. Colorado's fucked, right? And what, what's the probability if Lundquist goes out there of them winning a cup? It's pretty fucking high. And their backup has is, is, is really struggled. I think that's another part of the piece there that um, they don't they don't have confidence in their backup goalie. They, they have a lot of confidence in their starter. Um, but, you know, that's like that. what happens if he gets hurt, right? What are we going to do um, if he gets hurt late into the season? Are we going to be fucked? Uh, yeah. tra- trade deadline's coming up, you know, and th- make a decision to make some moves or not. I think it's Listen, safe to say that that move makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you're, we're sitting here saying like, you know, Avalanche looks nasty. They're, I think, they're 25 and 15 as their record, and the Rangers are 22 and 19. So, I mean, it's, yeah. we're talking about a, talking about a couple of games here. Is, but I mean, obviously, it depends on the division you're in, and in the division Colorado's in, they have a lot better chance at the playoffs and make it a run than the Rangers do. So, but at the end of the day, I mean, the two teams as far as records go aren't too far apart. But I, I kind of wonder too how, I mean. I wonder why the Avalanche are the are the destination that everybody's talking about. I wonder where that came from. Honestly, I don't I don't have any idea about that. But I think it's I think it's that backup goalie is is uh, just not their guy, right? And I think they're just trying to they they have a lot of cap space. You know, they've got fifteen million dollars in cap space. So, you know, where do we need to to put that money? And I think it's in a goalie right now because they only have one that they have confidence in. I, that's what I read in an article that I read earlier today. Um, 
Yeah, but where else would he go? I mean, where where do you think it would be another uh, team that's got a suspect yeah, goalie right now? There's a lot of good. There's a lot of good goalies in the league right now, actually. Yeah, there Tough is. Question. Yeah, there is. Calgary yeah. maybe, but I think I think Colorado is the best bet. The last thing we could just touch on quickly is uh, we had a goalie score a goal this week. We don't see that very often. When's the last time a goalie scored? Do you guys know? Anybody see the goal? Yeah, I saw. I would have to say. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's. Uh, I mean, that was an end-to-end launch. He hit it full sail on that one. Scored it. It's always cool to see. I think was it Ron Hextall is always known for scoring a couple goals. I mean, wow. Yeah, Patrick Wah. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty cool to see it. You know, it doesn't happen very often. So that happened this week. So I just want to touch on that quickly. I think every goalie wants to get that goal. You know what I mean? They probably yeah. their eyes light up when they get that puck in the empty net. You know, to fire it down there. So it's pretty cool. It's a tough shot, anyways, with a blocker and a glove. You know let alone launching that 200 feet. Well, maybe for you. <laughs> Anyways, boys, uh, another good Usual Suspects podcast. Uh, make sure you're checking us out on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and also we have our YouTube channel. If you want to watch the video of this podcast, get on our YouTube channel as well. That's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, obviously, bluelinehockeyclub.com. You can check out all of our past podcasts as well. And we have the uh, Adam Fox podcast coming up next. So, so stay listening to the, the podcast and Adam Fox, who the Fox at. He's a uh, main guy for the New, uh, Jesus, New York Rangers now in defense. So uh, we had him back when he was a uh, who the Fox at with, I think, Harvard. Right, boys? Harvard. Yeah. Harvard. And now he's, he's in the show doing big things. So stay tuned. You'll hear the rest of that interview next. KingTalkGraphics.com. Are you looking for a better way to promote your business? Have you ever thought about a new sign, window film, clear coat, or even wrapping your vehicle? Think about it. All the time you spend in your car driving around Raleigh, North Carolina, a vehicle wrap can be working right alongside you. A clear branding strategy can make the difference between your next call or not. If you're in Raleigh, North Carolina, check them out at KingTuckGraphics.com. Your satisfaction with their products and service is guaranteed. So go online to kingtutgraphics.com and check them out. Get a free quote and get started with kingtutgraphics.com. Adam Fox is currently with the Crimson at Harvard. Adam, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, man. Good, good to have you on the Blue Line Hockey Club. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you're right into the thick of things that uh, going back to school and going to class and all that shit. Yeah, we actually just had our first day of classes yesterday, so kind of getting back into the rhythm of everything. Uh, it must be an experience going to Harvard. I mean, none of us even came close to that in our uh, collegiate career, so it must be an intense academic uh, life at Harvard, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's a lot of uh, smart kids in the classes here, and, uh, you know, it's definitely tough at times to keep up with them, but, you know, you, you manage. Nice. So what's it like? I mean, are the girls fucking super smart there too? Or is it like they're kind of nerdy or what's up with that? Uh, uh, there's a few. I mean, there are uh, <laughs> definitely some smart ones, definitely some uh, some others that are around here. But it's, uh, you know, you're right in Boston, so you don't have to, you know, worry too much about that aspect. So yeah, what, I, what are most of the guys on the team? Do they date Arbor checks or are you dating like? Yeah, just- no, we actually uh, – we have a lot of guys who date uh, girls on the lacrosse team, you know, guys who are other athletes, you know, kind of keep it within the family, it seems. But uh, <laughs> it's definitely, uh, you know, common for, 
you know, guys on uh, one team to date some girls on some other sports teams. Pass them around. So, yeah, I went to uh, UMass, Amherst, and we used to go play Harvard and lacrosse. And, you know, we'd go up there and we'd say, we're playing the fucking smock kids today. You know, we were the state school, <laughs> state school bullies coming into Harvard, but they always had a good crew. Their lacrosse team was always pretty good there. We had a good time. So, I mean, the Harvard hockey program has been phenomenal lately. You know, how are you guys looking this season? Yeah, I mean, we're looking pretty good, obviously. You know, every year it seems you lose guys and you kind of wonder how, you know, the incoming freshmen will, you know, play how guys will play, you know, after having a year of college under their belts. So, you know, we obviously have some skilled players, some guys who were, you know, drafted pretty high and some guys who have done well, you know, throughout their college careers so far. So, you know, we're looking pretty good and pretty excited to get going. So you have the loss of Ryan Donato um, leaving the squad. That's got to hurt a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, you know, he's a great player. And, you know, like I said, it seems like for us, we kind of lose a high-end guy each year. You know, obviously, my freshman year, we had guys like Alex Kerfoot, who, you know, had a great rookie year and stuff. And the year before that, they lost, uh, you know, VZ. This year was Ryan. So, you know, we uh, you just got to find a way to, you know, play without those guys and, you know, kind of come together as the group you have. Adam, who are some of the young who are some of the young freshmen coming in that we should be watching for? Uh, we got, you know, two kids that were drafted, you know, Jack Jack Drury went uh second round to Carolina and Jack Rathbone I think went fourth round to Vancouver. So uh those are definitely two guys to watch out for. I know there's a couple other incoming freshmen that had uh some good USHL careers and, you know, BCHL careers. So uh definitely those some guys to look out for though. Were you uh were you thinking about leaving this season, or was it you coming back the whole time? Was that on the, uh, on the plate? Yeah, I mean, I was I was pretty set on coming back. Uh, you know, obviously, it's not a you know tough decision to choose to come back. It's you know it's Harvard. It's a great place for me, and you know for me, I didn't know if I was ready to make that jump just yet. So I think there was always a you know pretty pretty high chance I was coming back for this year. So. When I heard when Donato left, he was actually taking classes at Harvard while he was playing for the Bruins. Yeah, so he would. Uh, I mean, it was pretty fortunate for him as to how close, obviously, Boston, you know, all their facilities. You know, he's from here, so it was, it was pretty easy for him. But yeah, he would uh, come back, take classes like in the afternoon, and then you know head back and go to practice or something. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, Good for him. that Harvard education will take you pretty far in life in case you break your leg or yeah, something. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, so Adam, he, uh, well, I, I'm just going to say, why, why don't you just explain or, or you know, describe your, your path to, to Harvard and, you know, getting to play for USA and, you know. Strong yeah, Island yeah, boy. So, Long Island boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long Island boy. Uh, I heard you guys had uh, McAvoy on this earlier, so. Yeah. Got a good Long Island crew. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I I played with, uh, you know, him, Jeremy Bracco uh, growing up. I played still Long Island goals pretty much my whole youth hockey career, you know, played against, uh, you know, Jordan and and uh, those guys at Chad growing up. And, you know, and then luckily enough, you know, I was able to make that NCDP team and play there for two years. And, you know, I've uh, been lucky enough to play on those World Junior teams too. So, you know, it's obviously been fun to be able to, you know, play with a lot of high-end kids, you know, from youth hockey, too, and just see where everyone's at now. It's, it's pretty fun. So, so Adam, you, you're kind of a, uh, I guess, you know, what you're seeing drafted in the NHL now is, you know, a little bit of a, I guess in, in our world, you'd say it's a little bit smaller size defenseman, you know, being 5'11 or something like that, 180 pounds. Um, 
how do you see you know how do you see uh you, do you see do you, do you see your size as like kind of the, the up and coming thing in the NHL as far as defenseman goes I know you have great vision and things like that that go along with it but uh you want to speak a little bit about yeah. that yeah for sure I think there's definitely you know like a shift in the NHL in the past few years to so know not as much size and, and you know uh you know how strong you are and the hits you can throw but it's all about speed and skill and you know I think that plays perfectly for the way I want to play you know just the offensive defenseman is you know obviously the big role today you know it's uh you know it's kind of sought out in the NHL and I think that definitely plays to my life. You know, the game's had a big shift in the past 10 years. That definitely benefits me. You kind of model your game after anybody growing up? or uh, I loved watching Nick Lindstrom growing up. I mean, I was just, you know, so amazed by some of the things he did. And obviously, you know, he's one of the best defensemen ever. So it's, you know, it's a pretty easy guy to, you know, grow up watching and really enjoy. Nice. So do you golf at all, Adam? Yeah, I do. I actually uh, – Golf a bit this summer, you know, I kind of started playing like three years ago. This, this summer is really when I, uh, you know, started playing a lot, a couple times a week. How How's your handicap? You pretty good or are you just getting into this? Uh, it's all right. It's inconsistent. It has changed, <laughs> but um, more bad than good, but it's uh, it's getting there. I'll, I'll tell you my handicap when, it, when it's a pretty good one. Yeah, well, join the club. We're all inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love going to play golf with a guy who's like fucking 300 pounds and, you know, big fat piece of shit and he kicks my ass in golf. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I know I, I know I'm a better athlete argument. than this fucking guy. Yeah, I had an argument with my dad if uh, golfers are athletes. That, uh, pretty intense, <laughs> my dad's not the most fit guy and he's pretty good at golf, so I think it's kind of an argument about that. That's a good That's a good argument. That's, that'd be a tough one to uh, come on top with. Yeah, it drives yeah, me fucking know. crazy. Yeah, yeah it's, it's uh, you know. Talk about your outlook on the uh, upcoming season at, at Harvard, man. It, it's uh, we live in, uh, I mean, a majority of it. Well, three of us live pretty close to Canton, New York, where St. Lawrence University plays, and so we'll watch you, you know, at St. least Lawrence once this year. Clarkson, so, yep. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll watch you play this year. So, tell us about your outlook uh, this year. Obviously, your goal probably is to win the ECACs, but talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I think for us every year, you know, since I've been here, we kind of have a uh, you know, a goal in mind of at least making the national uh, tournament. So, uh, obviously, you know, you want to put yourself in a position at an at-large bid, you know, just in case you, you end up not winning your conference so that way you can still qualify for that. But, uh, you know, I think we have a lot of skill this year. You know, it's, it's a lot of guys who are going to step up. You know, we had some good freshmen last year and uh, some good freshmen that are coming in. And, you know, obviously we have upperclassmen with a lot of experience, you know, uh, a lot of games under their belt, so I'm I'm very excited. You know, I think we're gonna have a good year, and you know I'm pretty pretty excited to get started. There was a, I think it was a top twenty that just came out last week. ECAC wise, I think Clarkson was in there, Harvard, and who else was up in there for the ECACs? Um, Cornell is usually up there. Yeah, yeah, Clarkson had a really good year last year too. So I think they're returning a yeah, bunch of people. Yeah, yeah, they were the ones that uh, knocked us out of the ECAC tournament. In Lake Placid. Yeah, they uh, we had a four-one lead and ended up losing five-four in overtime. Ah, oh, no. Rough. Who's between the pipes for you guys this year? Michael Lack is going to be our goalie. He uh, he played a few games last year. and It was good for us. He had you know double hip surgery like my freshman year, so he uh, you know didn't get a lot of you know, chances then, obviously, because he was out all year. But you know last year he played some games. It was it was pretty good for us. He's in the. He's from National Development Program, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played on that NTDP team. I didn't know he had bilateral hip surgery. Yeah, he had uh, after his freshman year. So he all sophomore year, he was just kind of recovering. Tough for a goalie. Damn. Yeah. Um, so he's uh, he's doing better now. So you're with the uh, Carolina Hurricanes now. Yeah. Your right rights got traded from Calgary. At least uh, you can wear flip flops now to uh, practice or first half of the year. Yeah, I went there for development camp, and it was uh, it was definitely a little hot hotter than uh, when I was up in Calgary. <laughs> what was the development camp like? Uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, they make it you know they make it pretty tough. It was uh, you know a lot of skating, and they had us doing off ice workouts and all that. But it's always pretty fun. You know, you're hanging out with you know a bunch of guys around your age, and you, know, you get to know some of the prospects, draft picks, and you know overall it's a fun time. A lot of changes in Carolina with new coach and, uh, you know, some changes in the front office. And is that, you get to meet all the, the new crew in Carolina when you're down there, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, they were kind of preaching to us about that, how, uh, you know, they're trying to get a real culture change going there. You know, they've missed the playoffs for a couple of years, at least a couple of years now. And, and uh, you know, they're trying to – obviously, they, they got rid of some guys, brought some guys in, you know, obviously the coaching staff. So, uh, they're going in the right direction, and you know they got a, a whole re- new regime there that I was, you know, fortunate enough to meet at development camp. So it was pretty nice. Yeah, with the new coach uh, Rod Brendamore there, uh, we grew up watching him in the NHL. So that's a big motivation factor for uh, the Hurricanes to uh, motivate their players, I guess. So um, I'm pretty excited, and like you said, they got some. Uh, you know, Dougie Hamilton came over. They got some pretty good guys on defense, and uh, I'm sure they can't wait to get you up there. Yeah, no, it's definitely, you know, looking good there, so pretty excited. Yeah, speaking to that, um, as a defenseman, you were um, an All-American the last couple of years at Harvard. I mean, that's a pretty big feat to come in and be an All-American your first year. Uh, also on the All-Rookie team for ECAC's All-Tournament team. You know, you had a had a pretty stellar career so far. Um, you know, as far as goals for this season, um, I think you've you've uh, reached many of them in the past. So, do you have any personal goals that you're trying to reach for your junior season? Hobie Baker. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, obviously for me, uh, you know, coming into my third year now, I want to be a, you know, pretty dominant player in college. You know, obviously, you know, I want to be in that Hobie conversation and you no know, goals like that. But uh, just for me, I mean, some stuff's out of your control. So, I mean, just for me coming in. You know, playing my best like every game is it's really all I could do. But you know, obviously the you know hopefully being the Hobie conversation. Uh, you know, obviously like you said, I want to you know repeat as an All American again, and and you know have keep those high standards for myself. So uh, yeah, definitely those are some of the goals I'm shooting for. Well, I I think you, you don't have to worry too much. You just uh, do what you do, and um, you'll be fine. Um, with you know all those um, awards that you've won going to a development program, going to Harvard. Is there anything you can't do? Like, are you bad at anything? Did you play any other sports or anything uh, growing up? Uh, yeah, I played, you know, when obviously when I was real young, I played a bunch of sports. But, you know, when I was in high school, I uh, I played lacrosse. I played a little bit of soccer. But when I got to, like, 10th grade, it was it was all hockey. So I haven't, haven't done much of those in a while. So I can't imagine I was as good as I once was. Do you have any uh do you have any sort of rituals or anything before your games? 
Uh, no, I mean, I'm not a real uh, superstitious. Or, you just lace them up you know, and whatever. get out there and go at it. Yeah, yeah, just try and enjoy myself, show up to the rink. You know, I don't, I don't like to get too much in my head before games. I like to, you know, keep it loose. So I don't want to you know, get in my own head before a game if I don't tape my stick the exact you know, way or at the, at the exact time. Hey, hey, we're just play bad. So, get yeah. beat, beat off before the game. So. <laughs> that's, that's what Mark used to do before every game. Yeah, uh, loosen up, loosen up. In the locker in front of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you have like a defensive partner lined up that you know you're going to be playing with, or are you going to get stuck with a freshman because you're? Uh, one of the better defense around the team. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't know. They, they change it every year. I think, you know, we don't play our first game until, like, end of October. So we got, you know, almost two months to, you know, sort some things out. So, I mean, we haven't gotten anything yet. But, you know, it's it's hard to guess right now. It's just kind of some new new guys coming in and some guys leaving. So I'm interested to see what they do. So uh, before we let uh, anyone go, we usually go around the horn and ask a few random questions. And then uh, we'll let you go. So I'll go first. Do you play Fortnite? I actually recently got into it. I got an Xbox this summer, and it was like oh. so. So yeah, I'm pretty into it now. I wasn't a few months ago, but I am now. Can you build walls yet? Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> so Adam, Adam, you're from. Uh, you're from Jericho, New York, right? So what's uh, – is yeah. there anything special we should know about Jericho? Anything interesting? Any places to eat? Anything like that that you you want to uh, tell us um, about? I mean, yeah, there's some good places. that uh, I always tell people the egg and cheese is. You know, that's kind of uh, what I always brag about when I go with, you know, my friends from Michigan, Minnesota. I always tell them, you know, the egg and cheeses are great. So I think that's the one thing I always like to brag about. Yeah, the New York Deli. So where are you on the yeah. LIE? Which exit is it? It's exit 40. So is that Suffolk County? Nassau. 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 All right, so uh, do you prefer brun- br- uh, brunettes or blondes? Ooh, uh, <laughs> I honestly think blondes. I think blondes. Redheads? It's not a big, it's not a big, that's not a big, uh, I don't worry about that too much, but I, I think I prefer <laughs> blondes. <laughs> Uh, got this is an easy one, I, I think. Adam, if if you don't, you know, God forbid you don't make it to the NHL, what is your fallback plan? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if, if I uh, have thought too much about that, but I would probably want to do something in business. You know, I don't know specifically what. I mean, that's a pretty broad thing to say. But, You'd be a business guy? Um, yeah, something within that, that field. Okay. Taking the turn down to Wall Street. Yeah, I don't have to worry about that. What's your favorite hot spot uh, uh, when you go home in the summer? What's your favorite hot spot in the city? Do you go out in the city much? uh, Honestly, I don't make it out to the city too much. I've gone to the Hamptons a couple weekends when I'm home. But, you know, for some of the – just getting to the city is kind of a hassle, especially if you want to go out, like, on a Friday or Saturday because – it's a 40 minute train ride and then they come like every hour 15 past like one in the morning. So it's, you could not get home till like four 30 if you, if you miss one train or something. So <laughs> I'm actually not a big city guy, but definitely love going to the beach and, you know, out east of the Hamptons or Montauk. That, that was Mark's, Mark's excuse in the city. He uh, would miss the train so he wouldn't have to go home. 
Yeah. Tell my wife, oh, fuck, I uh, missed the train. I'll see you in two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Show up at six in the morning. So, do you do any fishing down there? There's a lot of fishing off the uh, Long Island coast. Do you do any fishing? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. It depends who I'm hanging out with. When I'm hanging out with like my friends who live on the water, you know, love doing that. I I'll go fishing, but you know, sometimes I'll just you know go on the beach, not even not fish, just hang out, just chill with you know some friends that that don't do that. So so it depends who I'm hanging out with for sure. Well, perfect, man. Well, thanks for coming on. It's uh, appreciate you coming on and talking with us for a little bit, and uh, hopefully we can get you on maybe in the middle of the season and see how you guys are doing at harvard yeah for sure that sounds great uh thanks for having me it's fun hey man good, good luck, luck. we'll see yeah, you up here in the north country when you play clarks in, in st lawrence yeah yeah for sure hopefully harvard coming out with a win though <laughs> <laughs> we just want it like 12 or six six or 12 sticks <laughs> yeah yeah that's fine that's fine that's that i can do all right adam thanks a lot man all right yeah no problem good luck time, man yep Fox with us on the Crimson, the uh, Harvard and the Carolina Carolina prospect. He uh, seems like a pretty humble guy, like a lot of our guests, especially the younger guests. They seem to uh, be very humble in where they are. I mean, if you look at this guy, um, you know, when I asked him about what his goals were, I mean, it's it's almost amazing to look at an All-American as a freshman. It's really hard to do, especially as a defenseman. Um, you know, there's only a few slots that are getting that award. So, you know, if you're a freshman and you're beating out all of the upperclassmen for an All-American, I mean, in the whole nation, I guess that's just the East way hockey does it. But, you know, that's still a huge feat as a freshman. You think about it coming in, you know, from the National Development Program and being able to step up and be one of the best defensemen in college hockey your first year. And he repeated that again uh, last year. So, I mean, he's... If you look at his his other stats, like I mean, he's pretty much won every award that he's gonna win, except for like a Hobie Baker. So um, this guy's the real deal defenseman. Um, I think we're gonna see him in the NHL pretty soon. I don't think he's gonna have to worry about that Harvard degree right away. That business contract's gonna yeah, be spending. I mean, the, the reason I asked was to find out if he, you know, really considered anything other than the NHL. And I think his answer was, well, I never thought of anything else. <laughs> he could have stopped right there, but he could have said, Fuck you, I'm playing the NHL, right, motherfucker. Right, 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 exactly. <laughs> I, I think it, if you go to Harvard and you're a Division One athlete, like, you don't even think about that. You just go to school and get your degree. Like, I, I, I don't think no one, you're not going to find a job. So, um, he's not worried. About obviously. It. He's not worried about it. So, obviously, he's going to be in the NHL. But, um, yeah, it's just crazy having, you know, I just can't get over being a athlete at Harvard with doing all the schoolwork and being on the road. You know, sometimes they leave Thursday. Um, if they're going, you know, up to St. Lawrence or Clarkson, um, those tests they must take. And, you know, it's – I almost think sometimes, you know, you, you put us in a state college and we kind of – we kind of float through it. Is that the same? It's probably the same for him. He, he's just such a smart kid that once he gets to Harvard, it's kind of just like the norm. I just do my same old shit, you know, and I pass. So 
Yeah, and they say the hardest thing is getting getting into those schools. You know, once you get in, you, you know, you can do the work, you do your studying and stuff like that. But, um, you know, you have to be smart. You have to be bright to get into those schools. And, uh, you know, the work curriculum might be, not be that much greater, but you're just with a, a good group of, of athletes and students that, you know, are doing similar I mean, work he, at a higher level. Into, if, if he made it into uh, – Harvard through the, you know, the, it's kind of like a rigorous, I'm sure, entry as far as, you know, from a scholastic side and the athletic side. So, I mean, it's probably not a big deal. You know, like, like Pat's saying, it's probably not a big deal to him. You know, it's just, he's there, he's playing hockey, he's just doing what he's always done. So, you know, he's a smart kid, great athlete. Uh, he's got it made, man. And he's, he's a great prospect. I know he's known, I, I read some stuff about him and he's, I, he had a, like a massive amount of success. You know, over uh, over his first couple of seasons, his freshman right, his freshman year, he had his game high assist was against St. Lawrence, and he had three of them. Yeah, but he had like fifty some assists. Yep. I don't even know, like sixty games or something like that. So he, good vision. He's kind of great. He's got you know the big thing for a defenseman, especially if you're a little bit undersized. You got to have great vision. You got to be able to uh, skate with the puck. You got to be a, a goal scorer. It looks like he's got all that going for him. So. He's got all the tools, especially with the new uh, mold of the NHL defenseman, which seems to be going to a little bit smaller size, and a guy that can handle the puck and skate with the puck and move the puck and score goals. Uh, he, he looks like he's in great shape moving forward. Yeah, and that's one of the things he talked about when you asked him about size. That the first thing he said was uh, being an offensive defenseman and how much that helps. So, you know, he's pretty aware of what his strengths are. You know, you look at a guy like Carlson, you know, I mean, how many teams want? Carlson on their team because how much offense he creates. You know, that's uh, the new mold of the best defensemen in the league. Yep, it's pretty big when you can contribute to the to the goal scoring in the offensive side of things. Hanging back at the blue line is, uh, is going by the wayside. Thing of the past, yep. Hanging out at the blue line hockey club, though, is a thing of the future. You betcha. Pat, you stay out at the wayside. Crackside Tavern. So Until next time, folks. Keep your stick on the ice. Well, no doctor. Keep your head up. Go, 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 go